0: As you may have seen yesterday, Senator Kamala Harris announced that she is dropping out of the Democratic presidential primary. And on one hand, I was surprised because she had made the cut to appear in the next Democratic debate. But on the other hand, I was not surprised at all because her campaign was struggling financially. It was struggling on some levels with messaging, and she had recently had to let a lot of her staff go. But after she dropped out, I saw a lot of frustration, understandable frustration. On how that means that all six of the people who have currently made the cut for the next Democratic debate are white. I have some thoughts on that that might surprise you. Let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to the, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. About two years ago, I did an interview, I think with Politico, about Senator Kamala Harris, and it was rumored at that time that she was considering running for president. And after I did the interview, I actually got a lot of progressives who were frustrated with what I said, because in the interview, I said that I have real problems with District Attorney Kamala Harris. She was the DA of San Francisco and in many ways was a problematic district attorney. But I said that when she was the district attorney of San Francisco, we didn't have the same standards and norms that we have today. And a lot of people were frustrated with me because I said that I thought that a lot of people were trying to apply, you know, 2019 standards on... A 2010 district attorney. And it's just true that when she was a district attorney, she was seen as rather progressive at the time. But at that time, we didn't have the DAs that we have now, like Rachel Rollins or, or uh, uh, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia or, or Chesa Boudin in San Francisco. And, and yet people were frustrated. And so I said, hey, I'm not a huge fan of district attorney Kamala Harris. I said I wasn't a huge fan of attorney general Kamala Harris, but that I really like Senator Kamala Harris. I think as a senator, I think she for a variety of reasons including the fact that she was, you know, preparing to run for president, I think that Senator Kamala Harris was more progressive then Attorney General Kamala Harris, and then District Attorney Kamala Harris. And a lot of progressives were super frustrated with that because they really felt like Kamala Harris kind of upped her progressive game, knowing that she would need to do that if she was going to run successfully for president. I think some of that is true. I also think the offices are very different, and I think the time is very different. 2019 and 2020, people feel like they don't have the same restraints. And uh, I want to opine for just a couple minutes on the struggles, and I have written and studied about this, the struggles of black women in politics and how they don't get to play by the same rules Particularly as white men in politics and and let me let me explain it. I remember when uh Stacey Abrams first announced that she was running for governor of Georgia, and a lot of people that live in Georgia, including many of my close friends, were like, "Hold hold on, Sean, before you endorse Stacey abrams, uh she's not super progressive man. She's not super progressive on these 10 issues, and here are some votes that she made that you should be concerned about. And Sean, I don't think she is exactly who you think she is. First off, I've known Stacey Abrams for 20 years. She's exactly who I think she is. And what they didn't understand, let me even go 30,000 feet above the issue. It's really easy to say who you'd be if you were a politician. (laughs) Like, It's super easy to say, if I was in office, or even for you to just imagine, if I was in office, I would do A, B, C, D, and E. Well, you're not in office, and so you really don't know who you'd be once you were there. But here's what they were doing with Stacey, and I'm going to circle back to Kamala in just a second, because I think it's illustrative of who she had to be to become Senator Kamala Harris. Stacey Abrams... To become a widely respected elected official in the state. And she was in um, the state house there and was really a high level negotiator and representative. And she was known, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, and I lived in Georgia for almost my entire adult life. She was known as somebody who was willing to negotiate and talk and discuss and bargain with Republicans to get stuff done. And you may hear that and and maybe you just cringe like, oh my God, she's working with Republicans in Georgia, where Republicans control the governorship, the state Supreme Court and the state house and state Senate. If you don't negotiate with Republicans, you won't get a damn thing done. And so Mayor Kasim Reed, who was the former mayor before Keisha Lance Bottoms was elected there as mayor of Atlanta, Mayor Kasim Reed knew the same thing that to be mayor of Atlanta under the state leadership of nothing but conservatives that you had to negotiate with the Republican governor and Republican leaders. It didn't, sometimes you had to hold your nose, but it that's not even the only way you can do business. Stacy Abrams, Kasim Reed and others had to make friends on the other side of the aisle, if you will, just to get the most basic stuff done for their constituents. And so if you're not from Georgia, or if you're not deeply involved in politics, you could look at Stacey's record and say, hold on, hold on. She compromised on A. She compromised on B. She compromised on C. Well, you know, there's a definition of politics that I learned all the way back in 1998, that politics is the art of compromise. What are you willing to give and what are they willing to give for you to negotiate on a a position to get something done? And so she was able, Stacey Abrams, to often negotiate and got less than she wanted, less than her progressive dream. But she was able to negotiate and often get stuff done under a Republican administration because she had to compromise. And I saw that and see that to this day as a sign of a brilliant leader who's willing to move when they have to just to get something done. But to be a black woman in politics and rise up through the ranks often means that you have not had the privilege and it is it is in some ways, a a, a tool of white privilege to be elected to a citywide or statewide office. A black woman rarely has the privilege to be an ultra progressive like I am an ultra progressive. Bernie Sanders is an ultra progressive, but he is an ultra progressive in a state that embraces that. To be an ultra-progressive and rise to power as district attorney in the 2000s, to be an ultra-progressive black woman and be elected district attorney in the 2000s, hard to see that. To be an ultra-progressive, I mean mega-liberal, and be elected statewide as attorney general of California in the 2010s, very, very difficult, and to be elected and here's the thing california is is progressive, but to win statewide office as the attorney general of California and be a hippie a super progress a crazy progressive to be able to to do that and be elected to statewide office in the entire state of california it's very difficult to be attorney general to be a united states senator and and often white men in particular have the freedom and liberty to express a full range of politics and still rise up through the ranks that, that black women rarely have. That black people, that even all people of color, often feel like they have to color within the lines, play by the rules to rise up through the ranks. They have to play the game. And you may hear this and say, oh, that's BS, Sean. They can be progressive and still rise up through the ranks. I would struggle to name a single black statewide official across the country who is an ultra liberal and ultra progressive. Because they have learned the hard way that to rise up through the ranks, to be either be embraced by the Democratic Party, to be embraced by enough people to win statewide office and be black. You have to play by a very different set of rules. And I think that's been the story for Kamala Harris as, as district attorney, as attorney general, and even in some ways as senator. I think she has just now started to feel the freedom to just be who she is and feel comfortable with it. And I think it can be a struggle after... Kamala Harris is not 20 years old. You know, if through your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, you have mastered coloring within the lines and only rarely getting outside of that box, all of a sudden, it's difficult to feel like, hey, I can play by my own rules when you've mastered playing by the rules for your entire life to to rise up through the ranks. And so... I feel for someone like Kamala Harris who stepped out to run for office and then really found it difficult to have a clear message and a clear voice. Like she embraced Medicare for all and then she backed off of it. She tried to defend some of the worst parts of her record regarding justice reform and got a lot of blowback instead of just kind of, owning it. And I I had hoped that she would take even the position that I tried to lay out there to say, Hey, if I knew in the two thousands, what I know in 2019, I would be very different as a leader, as an attorney general, as a district attorney. If I knew and saw the world the way I see it now, I would do it like A, B, C, and D, but instead she just primarily defended it. And I understand that is, um, it's a difficult decision for any political leader to make to try to to back up off of a huge part of their leadership. I, I want to tell you what I think about this new argument that it's a disaster for Democrats to now have only six white people in the debate. But first, I want to give a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then I'll be right back. Here on The Breakdown, I would say for every company that we advertise with, we probably turn five to ten companies down. And we get so many offers from companies that I just don't know that I can trust. And, And I don't ever want to recommend a company that I don't use or I'm not willing to use myself, that I don't feel good about each and every one of you using. So we get a lot of opportunities to advertise pills and financial things that sometimes I just don't feel good about, and that's why I am proud today to announce the first financial company that we're working with. It's a company called Lightstream, and I don't know about you, but I did not learn a whole lot about managing credit scores and managing money and interest rates and all that stuff as a young person. So I'm just now, as a 40-year-old man, at a point where I fully understand what's in my best interest and my family's best interest. And Lightstream is a great company for you to refinance your credit card balances and lower those interest rates. You can save right now with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. They're backed by a major bank that I trust. You can get a rate as low as 5.95 APR with AutoPay. And just for listeners of the breakdown right now, you can apply to get an interest rate discount. And the only way to get that discount is to go to Lightstream.com slash King. That's Lightstream.com slash King for an additional discount. That's dot com slash king. Of course, it's subject to credit approval. The rate includes a half percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. But again, visit lightstream.com slash king. For more information, and after you check it out, let me know what you think. You can always email me at sean at Northstar.com. All right? Break it down. So it is true that with Kamala Harris out of the race, and I think she added a lot to the discussion just in general, to the race in general, but with her out of the race, that the next Democratic presidential debate, as it stands only has six white people who've made the cut. Now, here's the thing. Kamala Harris had made the cut. It's possible that Julian Castro or Cory Booker or Tulsi Gabbard, or, they may make the cut as well. I think what's disappointing is that when this presidential race started, it was literally the most diverse campaign ever. With more people of color from more ethnicities and backgrounds and nationalities than we've ever had in the history of this country, some of what's frustrating is that now that we are nearly a year into it, it's primarily white people who are leading the pack, and I get the frustration I do, and I, I understand it, I agree with it. I think what exacerbates the frustration is that people see that white billionaires like Michael Bloomberg and Tom Steyer and, and others that they are able to spend. And I just learned that Michael Bloomberg has spent more in the past 10 days than Kamala Harris spent in her entire campaign. Like that's what happens when you have billionaires running for president, that they bring So much money to the table that it can knock out people who just don't have that amount of wealth to run. And we put ourselves in a dangerous position if it basically requires you to come to the table with that amount of money to be competitive. So I saw a lot of people, a lot of my friends, uh, prominent journalists, activists, and organizers. All saying one thing that I want to push back on just a little bit. The, the tweets that I saw went something like this. I wasn't supporting Kamala, but, and then they would express some frustration with her being out of the race and the race primarily now being a, a collection of six, six white people at the top. I have to I have to start back at the beginning of it. It was primarily people who did not support her saying I didn't support Kamala or Kamala is not my preferred candidate, but Kamala Harris uh you know many people said that she received unfair treatment, uh unfair criticism. I I would really have to look at the data to understand that like I I thought Some of her record on issues of of criminal justice and the like deserved pushback, but I kept seeing people over and over again saying, I did not support her. But the truth of the matter is Kamala Harris dropped out because not enough people were supporting her. And again, I saw friend after friend after friend just saying, they didn't support her, but they still wanted her in the race. And that's not how that's not how elections go. It requires them to have a certain amount of support. And if you wanted to see her in the race, back her, support her, campaign for her, defend her, go to, you know, go to bat for her. And that's what it takes. And you know, I'm actually I would Call myself personal friends with Cory Booker. He and I know each other. We, you know, I respect him a great deal, and I think he is a better candidate than the polls show. I'm friends with Julian Castro and would say the same thing about Julian. I think he's a phenomenal candidate who has who has managed a great, great campaign, and it's frustrating to not see him with more, more money and more support. But again, here's what I know. If you want to see Julian in the race, endorse him, campaign for him, volunteer for him. Like it, the the only thing that I think is patently unfair is the reality that billionaires can buy their way into the race. I will say that, particularly with Julian, who was mayor of San Antonio, that, that he has not gotten the media coverage that he deserved, up against Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who is mayor of an exponentially smaller city and has not even done a great job at that, but seems to be a media darling in so many ways. I mean, so I mean, there is something to say that with Julian Castro as a as a as a Latino man, that uh, that Kamala Harris and others that that candidates of color don't get the same amount of coverage, don't get the same breaks, if you will, uh, as white politicians. But what I saw yesterday, and I studied it again all this morning, was I continue to see people say, I didn't support Kamala, but. And I think I just have to stop at that first part to say that, you know, if you didn't support her, it's hard to argue that she should still be in the race. And when push comes to shove, I, I think her campaign messaging, like I struggled to know what she was saying was different about her, um, was her the primary reason you should support her versus somebody else. And her campaign struggled with a clear identity and they kind of shape shifted several different times. And that's what happens when campaigns start to struggle. They begin to kind of reinvent themselves. And uh I, I thought it was I thought she had several highlights, but I thought by and large the campaign was it was hard to watch. And I think what it takes to win a statewide office is totally different than what it takes to win national office. And um I would I would support her over many of the candidates who are still in the race and would I would rather her still be at the table than many of them uh I think the campaign is uh, the the entire uh process is less without her at the table but at the end of the day her campaign from the day she announced was losing momentum from that day forward the highlight of her campaign was her first campaign event which had nearly 20,000 people that gathered together there in um in the bay area in california and she never had anything that duplicated that energy and feel and uh i think a lot of that was organization messaging staffing and um i think it's 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 a difficult thing to run but um she'll be better because of it and i think At the end of the day, we'll now uh, we'll now see her settle back into her role as a brilliant senator. And I think she has an opportunity to be one of the best senators in the country and will and will be a better senator having traveled all over the country and understanding the needs and concerns of the people. So I know it's a difficult loss. And uh, I feel for her, her staff and followers. I know I, I've been there, and I fought hard for somebody who didn't make it across the finish line. I know what that feels like. But I think at the end of the day, she'll be a better senator because of it. Break it down. Break, 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 break down. I've got to run, but I want to take a quick moment just to thank everybody for their support. We are going into 2020 and uh, we have so many exciting things ahead for the Breakdown podcast and for the North Star. So, of course, thank you to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star who even make this podcast possible. Of course, thank you to all of our listeners. If you have not left a review yet, please, please, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or elsewhere. Also, hit that subscribe button Share this podcast however you can. Share it with your friends and family and your network. Of course, thank you to our podcast director and senior producer, Willis, and our associate producer, LaSondra, for their work on this and every episode. Take care, of.